0: and start shopping at business.walmart.com That's business.walmart.com Well, hi everyone. I'm Daniel Williams, Senior Editor of MGMA and host of the MGMA Podcast Network. We are joined today by Alizé Gagliardi. Alizé is a recipient of the MGMA 2023 Future Five Award. Alizé congratulations.
1: Thank you, Danielle. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Yeah. Now, you and I were just talking offline. Um, since your nomination uh, for the Future Five Award, you have gotten a uh, new job title, and I guess new job duties as well. So you are currently now Director of Anesthesia Operations at Manatee Memorial Hospital and Lakewood Ranch Medical Center, Tell us about that organization. What's the size and scope?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'd be happy to. Uh, It's a nice uh, new opportunity for me that actually arose not too long ago. I was previously with their general surgery offices and then got to stay with surgical services, but more on the hospital side, which I'm very excited about. Um, So Manatee Memorial Hospital is a 295-bed facility and Lincoln Ranch Medical Center is a 120-bed facility. So the anesthesia department that I oversee Spans across both facilities, actually. So we provide anesthesia services for both hospitals.
0: Wow, where are y'all located?
1: So we're located um, in Brittonton, Florida, in Lake Branch, um, Florida. So that's on the west coast, um, southwest of Florida.
0: Cool. We're glad to have you here. So what we'd like to do now is get a better understanding of your healthcare journey. What got you interested in healthcare in the first place? Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I don't necessarily have the most typical journey to healthcare, so to speak. Um, actually it really wasn't on my radar until a little later. I'll have to say I'm not one of those people that can tell you from the minute I was born, I knew I was destined to be in healthcare. Absolutely not. Actually, funnily enough, I had the biggest hospital and needle phobia growing up. So never would have thought I would end up in that, um, in that <laughs> field, but I'm very glad that I did. Yes, I really became interested in it when I went to college. I went to Tufts, um, started studying, you know, a variety, just like your typical freshman, taking a a lot of different classes, got really interested in psychology and the brain, particularly. So that's where I got started with clinical and research psychology, really fell in love with it, started interning at a local hospital. And that's really one. You know, my love for science and the human body really clicked. And I thought, OK, you know, maybe healthcare might make sense. I really enjoy that part um, instead. That's where that was really my my point of entry into the field, so to speak.
0: I was reading uh, about your nomination as a Future Five honoree. Uh, it was really interesting here learning about you. It said you've got a focus on improved and standardized clinic operations, uh, leading to I'm reading this as it was written, I love this. A remarkable increase in revenue in patient volumes of over 30%, setting a new record for annual bariatric surgical volumes for the program there. That is incredible. Uh, Tell us about that project and the processes that were involved to see those gains that y'all have experienced.
1: Yeah, thank you very much. Actually, I'm really grateful for that first opportunity, so to speak, in healthcare administration. Dr. Reckes and his team were kind enough to give me a chance. At the time, I was, uh, you know, a 23-year-old with, you know, some experience, but not necessarily direct experience. That was my first time managing a practice, um, but really fell in love with it. I'd actually previously been interning at a bariatric program in Montana during my undergrad studies, and really loved the field because it had, obviously, it had to do with medicine, but it also had to do with psychology, which, as I told you before, was of my first love um so really like that aspect that you're really changing and transforming lives and the the work that dr ruckus and his team do and that manatee memorial really does with their bariatric program is just absolutely phenomenal so it was um just such a privilege to be part of that team and really my focus is i love operations i've always been on the ground love understanding processes how everything works and so really the approach that we took is how can we streamline and serve our patients even better? They already had great reviews. Dr. Eckus is a phenomenal physician. He has wonderful bedside manners. He bends over backward for his patients. So really the, the foundation was there. His team is incredibly caring. They really take pride in what they do. So more so what I was looking at is, okay, we have those great pieces, but how can they align a little bit better? So mm-hmm. some of the things that we looked at were, our intake process. So for bariatric, there's quite a few information, pieces of information that we need to collect before you're able to be in the program, such as your BMI, um, any comorbidities, because um, it's very specific, particularly for insurance. So it's very key that you have all that information prior so that we can make sure that it aligns easily for the patient. There's no bad surprises when it comes to actually scheduling your surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was one big part of it. Another one um, was the surgery scheduling piece because of course it involves a lot. You have to compile the whole packet. It's usually a three to six month process to even prepare for bariatric surgery. You have a whole lot of clearances. Patients have to see a psychologist. They have to see a nutritionist for a certain number of visits. And of course, every insurance is different. So you have to really read the fine print. So it takes a whole lot of um, of pre-planning and really being very methodical about the way that you approach it. So that's something that I really wanted to hone on in, so we developed a checklist that then went in front of every single patient chart where we made sure that we kept track of every single piece of the puzzle um, so that they would be ready for surgery. And I think even for patients, it was really helpful because then they could visualize, okay, I've made this amount of progress towards my surgery date. And it was really rewarding when you would get to that point and say, okay, I've ticked all of the boxes, now the biggest box, so to speak, you know, I can tick, um, I can go to surgery. And then um, I think just, you know, the rest really followed. I was really lucky, again, to be with a great team. They all cared. Um, And so it was a back and forth with trying to understand what other local programs were doing. And even just generally, I I know I looked back also at Tufts Medical Center and what they were doing because it was my alma mater trying to to get a sense. I could make that a little bit more, um, you know, easier for everybody to to understand the patients and our team so that we could really coordinate and, and get good results, which Thankfully, we did. Yeah,
0: for sure. So once you did begin to get those results, um, what were the KPIs that you were studying? Because I know in healthcare, we like to measure things to make sure they're moving along in the direction we want them to be moving. So what were the KPIs you were most interested in?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I would say a big thing, especially for bariatrics is since it's not really, I mean, I like to think of it more as a it's not an aesthetic procedure in, in any way. It goes much deeper than that. But in some sense, it's still very much an elective procedure, much like plastic surgery. People do a lot of research. They do a lot of shopping around. So one thing I really wanted to focus on was our response time. Because a lot of those patients, they're not just inquiring about your program. They're inquiring about all the programs locally to try and see, okay, who's going to get back to me first? Who am I going to like the best? Who's going to be as, you know, as welcoming as it can be? Um, so that was one of the KPI that we tracked was uh, response time. I, I actually got it down from, I think we were at about a week and a half, two weeks initially when I started. And then we got it down to 48 hours or less, Whoa. which was really great. And I think that's, that's cool. where we yeah. get patients hooked. Yeah, it was really, really cool to see. Um, we actually created a whole intake coordinator position specifically for that, so that that person would be available to answer any kinds of inquiries over the phone, by email, through our forms on the website, but just really being more responsive and more there to answer questions, I think was key. Um, and then other ones were really uh, you know, timely completion. We actually used a specific EMR system for bariatric specifically. So we had two, we had our EMR and then the bariatric EMR, so to speak. So really trying completion rate of all of the clearances that I mentioned previously, making sure that they were done in due time One of the things that used to delay a lot of patients as well were um, getting the EGD. So you're screening um, with a gastroenterologist. Usually those specialties are, you know, they tend to schedule a little further out. So trying to make sure that we initiated that process and they had the consult ahead of time instead of waiting for the last minute, because otherwise we were finding that patients had done three months of work. And they were getting close to surgery, trying to schedule that ETD, and then they would push them back another three months at times um, to really trying to say, okay, let's create a roadmap for patients and, you know, make sure that they have that consult really shortly after meeting with the bariatric surgeon.
0: Okay. Um, Now, going further into your nomination, in talking about you, the uh, person who nominated you said that you've also demonstrated an exceptional ability to inspire and to empower others, fostering a culture of positive change and collective impact in the transformation of healthcare within our community. Wow. And uh, how'd you do that? (laughs) That's easier said than (laughs) done.
1: Definitely. I think it's giving me a little too much credit, um, if anything. But uh, no, I think it goes down to the fact that the way that I approach my role as a leader or a manager is always really, I'm here to make everyone's lives easier. Um, I work for them and I support them, is really the way that I see it. And it's really important for me that I try to empower everyone to take ownership of their projects. And I think that was a big part. That's why I wanted to delineate different responsibilities, different roles on my team, so that that particular person that would be assigned to a particular role really would be able to run with it, so to speak, and create their own roadmap. Um, Because I found that if that person really takes ownership of it, takes pride in it, and gets to understand the nitty gritty, becomes, you know, the expert on the team for that particular part of the process, then they can come up with a lot of um, ways to improve those processes, even beyond what I could suggest. You know, I'm always here as a sounding board, but they're the ones initiating that. And once you start getting at that point, and you have the person really being free to be creative and innovative with the ideas that they propose and that's when you get the best ideas.
0: Yeah, now you had mentioned uh, Tufts University earlier. Uh, You didn't mention that you graduated summa cum laude from there with a Bachelor of Science in Experimental Psychology. You then went on to complete a Master of Management with a concentration in Corporate Finance from Cornell University wow again and um that's pretty awesome and tell us about those experiences what were some like some key takeaways or some uh information that you took away from the educational uh world of academia into the healthcare world
1: yeah absolutely i think tops you know- As I've alluded to before, I have to credit for even just falling in love with healthcare as a field in the first place. I I don't know that it would have happened elsewhere. Maybe it would have, maybe not, I'm not sure. Um, But being part of research, I think, has also given me a framework for really thinking through problems. Um, So when you're in research, you really have to formulate hypothesis, be very deliberate about how you approach problems, how you go about solving them. and so that's something that I still try to apply when I look at problems or issues within departments department or changes that I want to bring forward. I always try to have that mindset of really being inquisitive about it and asking the right questions. So that's definitely something that I took away. And then the bigger part, too, with Tufts is, if I were to describe the Tufts community, is they really put a huge emphasis on being agents of change in any field, really. It's not just healthcare. It spans all of the disciplines that they have and that they offer over there. And then really being leaders of social change. So I think all of the conversations that I would have, I would stay up until three in the morning really talking to some of my friends, actually my best friends that I'm still really close with, who would stay up until three talking about you know, healthcare policy and um, you know the state of healthcare in the US and how we can better serve, you know, and give back to people and with even women in healthcare and leadership positions. So that's definitely something that it's instilled in me. And that's why I think I cared so much about the, you know, the the community and giving back.
0: That, that is incredible. And your college experience was much different than mine. <laughs> I'm glad somebody had their head on straight and was really focused on things like healthcare policy during college and uh, your graduate program. <laughs>
1: well, hey, you know, we had some fun too.
0: <laughs> good, good. I didn't imply you didn't, but that is so cool. That but, uh, is so but that cool. was
1: definitely part of it. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So, did your um, friends that that friend group you had did they go into healthcare as well, or are they in, you know, different areas at this point?
1: Actually, funnily enough, they did. So, uh, one of my close friend, um, she's now pursuing a PhD in healthcare policy and Whoa. analytics. So, okay. very much so. Um, but it's what's actually really nice is, is when we're all different but um, complementary fields, which is really interesting. And then we're a group of four, so to speak, of best, best friends. And so the yeah. second one is now becoming a PA. So she'll be on the provider side. I'm in healthcare administration. And then the fourth friend, um, she's actually working more into community service, activism. So she's with a charity. So it, it's really nice. It kind of rounds it rounds all the perspectives together.
0: Yeah, I think you said it best. You'll complement each other where you're coming at through a different lens of healthcare, but all getting it. How do we make it better for people? I do want to switch gears here for the last couple of questions. So um, what is it about healthcare that excites you about being an agent of change within the industry? It looks like you're doing so many cool things. You talked about social activism. you, You talked about empowering um, your staff. I mean, there's so many things that you've got going on there. So what is it that excites you?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. So I think part of it really started when I went to Cornell because you alluded to it earlier. Um, they have a great program over there called the Institute for Healthy Futures that actually brings together graduate students um, to work on consulting projects from the School of Design, the School of Healthcare Administration, and the Hotel School. So really it creates more of that innovative mindset of, okay, why can we borrow from different industries and learn and apply to healthcare, to create healthier futures, so to speak. So it it spans even more so than hospitals. You know, we looked at retirement communities. We looked at even, I did a project with Hilton, which was really great. Um, So trying to understand, okay, even within hospitality, how can we promote health for the community and even design, et cetera, which was really interesting. and that's something I that took with me actually during the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, I was volunteering with a local hospital back in the days while also working full time. And when the pandemic started, I wanted to give more. So I started, um, working and volunteering actually initially with Get SVP. We were the largest, um, charity distributing protective equipment during the pandemic to those in need, um, started volunteering with them and then grew and, um, ended up leading their, uh, operations department which was a really interesting um, interesting approach and learning a lot more about the supply chain than I ever thought I ever would <laughs> but but it's really served me in that way and I think what I really love about healthcare is that it's so personal for everyone um, and being able to have an impact when people aren't at their most vulnerable is incredibly fulfilling um, because not only yes you're having a positive impact, but you're also having a positive impact at a very challenging moment. So if we're able to do that, and, you know, there are many ways I think that healthcare is challenging and, you know, our industry definitely has issues that it needs to work through. Um, But if you can have even just a little list of impact and make someone smile or at least experience less pain in those moments, um, you know, then for me, at least my day is made.
0: Yeah. Uh, I have a final question for you then. This one is an easy one. (laughs) And I'm kidding. <laughs> what do you What do you think the future of healthcare looks like um, when you kind of project out? Think about that future of healthcare, and what do you want your role to be in it?
1: And that's a great question. It's a big question. <laughs> there's multiple, I think, avenues that we could look at. Um, think definitely one big trend is digitalization. I think in having more healthcare at your fingertip, we keep seeing this. Even when I was um, over to the, the general surgery offices, we were doing a big push to for you know providing care at home. So telehealth was a big push and how can we reach a greater audience of people that may not even be able to access certain spe- specific services, particularly bariatric is a good one. You know, not everyone has a great bariatric program near them. So how can we make sure that we reach that target population? Um, And I think even just moving forward, I think now we're realizing that it's not enough to just deliver high quality services. You actually have to deliver a good experience too. I think there's a big push towards that, which... To me, having also a background in hospitality is extremely, you know, interesting and, and gratifying. But really, putting more of the patient at the center. I know there's a lot of talks about patient-centric care, but I think it's so so important that we really remind ourselves that we're not treating a disease, we're treating a human being with all of its complexity. So I think every effort that we make to treat not only the family, but but not only the patient, but also the family and their environment, I think, um, is a big push right now. And so that's why it's also important to really look at the community and the impact that we have there, because that's really where it starts. Yeah. Alizé,
0: thanks for joining us on the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure.
0: Yeah. So that is going to do it for this episode. Thanks to Alizé Gagliardi, Director of Anesthesia Operations, Manatee Memorial Hospital in Lakewood Ranch Medical Center, and an MGMA 2023 Future Five Award winner. So for everybody listening, we're going to uh, provide direct links to points of interest from this conversation, including how you can uh, nominate someone uh, for a Future Five Award or um, see about having yourself nominated because we are looking for the best and brightest out there. So thank you. And thanks for being a listener to the MGMA Podcast Network. Most physicians don't have the opportunity to learn the business of medicine. What docs don't get taught, physician business training is a course developed by MGMA and administrators from Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. This interactive course provides in-depth physician business training that can drive personal and organizational success. Purchase now for yourself or your organization at PhysicianBusinessTraining.com and earn eight hours of CME credit. Again, go to PhysicianBusinessTraining.com to purchase and to learn more. The popular buzzword we've been seeing everywhere is AI. But what we all wanna know is how we can implement and use it to our advantage when it comes to improving margins accelerating cash flow, and optimizing staff performance, there's a one-stop shop using cloud-based predictive analytics. MGMA Analytics is your AI-enabled tool that upscales technology you've already been paying for, so you can silo your disparate systems and make data-backed business decisions. Visit mgma.com analytics and see how AI can revolutionize your finances and operations. Again, visit mgma.com slash analytics today.